This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. Let me show you today's title of our message. It is titled, Victorious Mental Health in Jesus. Now, I'm sure you agree with me that we can have all kinds of victory in Jesus. And one of those includes victory over mental health. Amen. It is found in Jesus. And you know, let me just say this uh, right up front. I don't claim to be a mental health expert at all. But what I am going to share with you today is based from my own experience with God. And I believe that God in His Word shares all we need to know about mental health. Amen. And of course, the goal with this message today is to encourage you by showing you God's heart for your, or should I say regarding, your mental well-being. And I'm telling you, it is an issue that we really need to pay attention to. I know that I'm I'm 55, but I I remember growing up as a boy, as a young man, as a teenager. I don't ever remember anyone ever mentioning mental health or speaking about mental health. Now, they may have used different terms. And yes, there was help when they saw that someone had a breakdown, a nervous breakdown or something like that. But in many ways, I am glad that today in our time, we have become aware of this thing, this phenomena, this, I don't know what to call it, this condition called mental health. Because God desires for you and I to have good mental health. He wants us to enjoy wonderful mental well-being. And that's what we want to speak about today. And you know, we all face challenges, and those challenges test our mental well-being. It's part and parcel, unfortunately, of living in this fallen world. We will face all kinds of situations. We will encounter people. We will encounter situations. People will do things. People won't do things that will affect our mental well-being. And you know, we need to take care of it, but also more importantly, we need to trust God. But also we need to see that we can be victorious in Jesus. Amen. And so that's what this is about today. And so I'm going to lay a foundation just so that we understand what we're talking about here. And you know, I'll tell you this much. If this subject doesn't interest you, I believe that when we are done today, not only is it going to hit home for you and maybe help you realize certain things about what's been going on with you, but also it's going to equip you and it's going to encourage you to show you how God, how God Himself and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit, how the Trinity really and truly care for our mental well-being. Praise God. But before we look at all that, we have to understand what it is. What is mental health? What is it that it, what does it mean? What does it look like? And so let's do that a little bit. And so what I want to do first and foremost is I want to show you the definition by the Merriam-Webster dictionary. And so here it is here on the screen. This is the definition. I know it's a little smaller than usual, but I wanted to fit the whole thing in so I know that you can see it. Okay, so here is the definition of mental health by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and it's a noun, in other words, a state of being, okay? Firstly and foremost, it says, it is the condition of being sound mentally and emotionally that is characterized by the absence of mental illness 
and by the adequate adjustment, especially as reflected in feeling comfortable about oneself, positive feelings about others, and the ability to meet the demands of daily life. Also, the general condition of one's mental and emotional state. And then secondly, in other words, this is the secondary meaning, healthcare dealing with the promotion and improvement of mental health and the treatment of mental illness. Often used before another noun. For example, they give us two examples there. Mental health professionals. A mental health clinic. All right, so I want us to focus on that first primary meaning there, because that's what it really means first and foremost. And it says there's the condition of being sound mentally and emotionally. In other words, the absence of mental illness. All right, so what, what you see from there is, is that just like your body or just like our body, our mind can also get sick and injured. And, and isn't that what mental illness is? Some people think it's, you know, someone who's lost their mind and gone crazy. They go to an extreme. But the fact of the matter is, is that it begins small. It begins somewhere where we sometimes just brush things off. But the fact, and we will, we will experience illness. When you get a flu or cold, you're ill. You've been ill. Someone may have a longer chronic condition. That's what we regard as illness. And so in the same way, just like our body, because our mind is part of our body, part of our makeup, part of our being. So just like our body, our mind can also get sick and injured. And that's what we're addressing here today. That's what mental health is. Is when someone's mind is sick or injured, that's what we're referring to as illness, if you will. Just in a bad state, God cares for that person and wants them to enjoy victory over that. And, you know, I, sometimes we in the church really just, you know, people get blown off and get told, you, well, you know what, if you just trust God, you won't have to worry about those thoughts. You won't have to worry about those things. But it's a real situation, and all of us face it. At some point, I'm going to say something here that may offend some people, but I'm going to show it and prove it to you. At some point, all of us face situations where our mind feels ill where our mind feels sick, where our mind feels injured, and we need help. And God is there to help us. Praise God. So that's the definition that we've seen there according to the Merriam-Webster's. Now, if you look at the Mayo Clinic website, and I'm not saying in any way I endorse any of these things, okay, but this is information that we're drawing out from. And so the Mayo Clinic actually has what they call symptoms or signs of mental illness. In other words, someone who's not in good mental health and they need help. So the, what they do is, is that they give us pointers, 14 points, how someone can determine based on their research, based on their treatments and so forth, how someone can determine if they may have mental illness, if their mind may be sick, if their mind may be injured, if they need help. In other words, if their mental health is not where it should be. So here are signs of mental illness by the Mayo Clinic. It's going to come up on the screen as well. So here they are. Watch this now. Let's go through these and you see if you can identify with any of them at some point in your life, maybe even now. And that's why you are here today. All right. So here are the signs of mental illness. Firstly, feeling sad or down. Confused thinking or reduced ability to concentrate. Then, excessive 
fears or worries or extreme feelings of guilt. Also, extreme mood changes of highs and lows. Withdrawal from friends and activities. Significant tiredness, low energy or problems sleeping. Detachment from reality, in other words delusions, paranoia or hallucinations. Inability to cope with daily problems or stress. Trouble understanding and relating to situations and to people. Problems with alcohol or drug abuse. Major changes in eating habits. Sex drive changes, and that's of course for the married people. Excessive anger, hostility or violence. And lastly, suicidal thinking. Now, let's leave that there for a moment and let's ponder on some of those. And you know, when I was going through this list, <laughs> as much as I want to be strong and courageous and encourage you, you need to understand, we can move on from that, you need to understand that I am human like you are. And it's by the grace of God I get to do what I do. But I need Jesus as much as you do. When we stand at the foot of the cross... We all stand on equal ground. We all need the same redemption. We all need the same grace and mercy. And we all need the same help when it comes to our mental health. And so when you look at that list, I can tell you, being honest with you, I could check quite a few of those at some point and even now. And I know that you can, if we're real honest with ourselves, if we stop faking it until we make it, many of us can relate with that. Many of us have said, you know, when, is, when can I get out of here? This is just the worst I've faced. And it's in those times when we need to take care of our mental health, but more importantly, trust God to be victorious over that situation so that we can enjoy the mental health that He's provided for us in Jesus. Amen. So our mental well-being is important. Why is that? Because it affects our entire being and life, but also that of those around us. I know that when someone is not in a good mental state, it doesn't just affect them physically, their body, their health, but also it affects those around them. It affects the mood of the whole situation. And this is why it behooves us to know what God says and to learn to trust God and depend on Him to be victorious over mental health, men mental issues, over mental illness, mental sickness, mental injuries. Amen. Praise God. All right, so what a better example, of course, that I'm going to share with you today than Elijah. And then I'm going to show you how you see the heart of God with regards to mental health and how God gets involved in, in Elijah's life. Now, we don't have time and I don't really want to get into more than necessary, but you know that Elijah was a mighty, awesome prophet in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. God sent him, you know, when the nations were rebelling and they were becoming godless and they were forgetting about God, God sent Elijah to go and proclaim a drought. And then after three years, God said to him, go back. And tell King Ahab, now there's going to be rain. And so he does all that. And in the midst of all that, God uses him to get rid of false religions, pagan religions. You know, Jezebel had a whole 
religious system set up with her prophets and everything. She controlled the whole thing. And God used Elijah to literally kill 450 prophet, false prophets of this you know, pagan system and f- to glorify God in the midst of all the people. And so they all turned to God and trusted God. And there was a major revival, a major change because of Elijah. But then Jezebel, you know, the queen, decides, well, you know, you killed all my prophets and took my system down. I'm putting it in my own words. Now I'm going to send people after you, assassins, basically. And, if, you know, if you're not dead by tomorrow, <laughs> then whatever. And so literally she put a death warrant on his life. And so he runs. After having done all these mighty works, just mentally, he couldn't handle it anymore. And he began to experience a mental breakdown. He began to experience mental illness, if you will. You see, Don always related to the worst case scenarios. He began to experience mental illness, mental injury. And so he's running. And so this is where we pick up the story. And watch. You You saw those symptoms. You saw the definition. Let's see if we can see it in Elijah now. This mighty prophet that we still have a high regard for, who was taken to heaven alive, who is going to return and do mighty works. Watch us now. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, from the Living Bible. Talking about Elijah here. It says, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, and sat down under a broom brush. Watch us now. And prayed that he might die. And watch what he says. I've had enough, he told the Lord. Take away my life. I've got to die sometime, and it might as well be now. (laughs) I love the way the Living Bible paraphrases it, because in essence, no matter what translation you read, that's actually what he said. And so what you see here is this mighty man of God, called of God, prophet, prophesied, literally was used to declare drought and then declare rain and then it all happened as he said and then to bring down a whole pagan system with its prophets and yet at one threat he runs and he's afraid and he basically reaches a state of mind that is ill that needs help his mental state his mental health at this point was not in a good place and this is why he prays to god And he says, please, let me die. Just let it end now. And you know, if we're honest with ourselves, I'm sure we've all felt like that at some point. Isn't that true? I know that I have, and I'm being honest with you. There there have been times, and you know, I know that all of life is hard, but in ministry, it just seems to be so much more different because not only do you carry the natural weight of situations, but you also carry the spiritual weight of situations. It's just how God's designed it. And praise God for His grace and His strength and His ability. But let me tell you, we're still humans. And I know that there are times, probably more than once, where you can count, where you may have said, Lord, why do I need to keep going through this? Just Press eject, get me out of here. And that's exactly what Elijah did. Now you tell me, do you think he was in great mental health when he did that and when he said that and when he prayed that after having done all these mighty works and miracles for God? Clearly not. He was close to a breaking point. 
And that's when we say things like that. In other words, we need help mentally. We need help. Our mind is injured. Our heart is injured. Amen. And so life can throw curveballs at us. And it catches us by surprise. Isn't that so? Just when you think everything's going great and everything's fine, and you know, praise God for His wonderful thing, we rejoice. All of a sudden, here comes this curveball, and we think we're going to hit it and catch it, and it just happens to go off another way, unexpectedly, and it catches us by surprise. And often, it's those very things that make us feel helpless, that affect our mind, and where we feel what is going on, and we begin to experience those signs, those symptoms. Isn't that so? This is why, knowing this, Jesus said what He said in John 16, verse 33. It's because Jesus, and you'll see here, Jesus had, men, had mental health in mind when He said this. I'm going to show it to you. We know this portion well, but I trust that you're going to see what Jesus really meant here, and I'm going to prove it to you. John 16, verse 33. This is why Jesus said that, because He knew we would face challenges that would attack our mental well-being. John 16, 33. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me, notice, in Him, nowhere else, nothing else, no other substances, no other treatment, and there's nothing wrong with that, but most importantly, in me, you may have peace. And you'll see in the next portion that he's talking about mental health peace. In the world, he says, you will have tribulation. He didn't say you might have. He said you will have tribulation. But, he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now notice those two words that I've got in a different color in bold and there. Tribulation and cheer. Because I want to show you those are key to understanding what Jesus was really addressing here. And already the first portion gives us a clue that he's talking about mental well-being. That word tribulation, I want to show you from two different original language sources how it should also be translated and what it actually means. So here it is here firstly from the Olive Tree Enhanced Diction, uh, Strong's Dictionary. Here's the word tribulation. It is the word thlipsis. And here's what it means. Pressure literally or figuratively, afflicted or affliction, anguish, burdened, persecution, tribulation, trouble. Now, if you look at those, you can see clearly these are internal issues that he's talking about. He's not talking about external issues. Yes, the externals may affect us, but really he's addressing the internal issues because these are all internal definitions, internal meanings. And in actual fact, the HELPS Word Studies lexicon helps us see that even clearer. So here it is here. So the word ellipses, remember? Here's what it means. Pressure, what constricts or rubs together. In other words, what closes in. Use of a narrow place that means hems someone in. In other words, it corners you, it makes you feel restricted, and it makes you feel helpless, like you've got no way out. Then it says, especially, here it is here, watch this, 
internal pressure. That's talking about mental, emotional pressure that causes someone to feel confined, restricted, without options. Now watch this. This is all part of the same definition. By contrast, and they give a number and a different word that is often used that way, in the opposite way. Watch this. By contrast, stenoxoria focuses on the external pressure exerted by circumstances. So if you look at that, you can see clearly that Thlipsis talks about internal pressure. In other words, it's talking about mental well-being. Whereas stenoxoria talks about external pressures, the external things. So that helps us see clearly how when Jesus said in this world you will have tribulations, what he was talking about is the personal internal struggles that we would face. He was talking about mental health. He was talking about making sure that we don't get caught up into mental illness as a result of these things happening to us. Because how many of you know different external things affect people differently? Some people are a lot more sensitive. Some people are maybe just experienced more than usual and they can handle it a little more. Haven't you noticed that even with members of your own family? Sometimes things happen and you're okay with it and you can get over it. Whereas someone, you know, someone else in the family has a real hard time with it. It is because, yes, it's part of it is experience, but also it just affects us differently because of our makeup. And so here you can see that Jesus was talking about our personal internal struggles when he said in this world, yes, you will face tribulations. In other words, you are going to face things that will tentatively try and attack your mental well-being, your mental health, for the lack of a better word. And so then he goes on and he says to us, <laughs> but remember, we saw this in the portion. He said, be of good cheer. And I'm thinking, okay. So if I feel like Elijah and I'm about to pray, Lord, can't you just kill me now? Just take me now. If I'm about to pray that, <laughs> Jesus says what I should do is I should be of good cheer instead. So, you know, we've got to see what that word cheer means from the original as well to see what Jesus really means. And you can see cheer deals with our emotions, with our mind. It's not about the externals. He didn't say go and take a shield and protect yourself. He didn't give us our external advice. He's giving us Im internal advice because this is internal issues. It's mental health issues. And so let's see what that word cheer means from the original. Here it is here from the olive tree enhanced Strong's lexicon. There's the word there and there's the word tharseo. Uh, and here's what it means. To have courage. So what Jesus was really saying is be of good courage different isn't it then it can also be translated it says there be of good cheer or comfort in other words be of good comfort he says then in the definition it tells us this compare it to 2292 which is the word that this word tharseo comes from it derives from that word so it's the parent word if you will and so i've got it there below the parent word so we can see what it means it is the word confident and it is thar hell. And this is what it means. To exercise courage. Be bold. Boldly have confidence. Be confident. So when Jesus said, 
be of good cheer, he was saying this, be of good courage, be of good comfort, exercise courage, be bold, boldly confident in trusting God in essence. So really what he was doing is he was giving us hope. He was giving us the solution. He was giving us the perspective, the paradigm that we are to have when we face internal pressures. In other words, when your mind is going at 110 miles an hour and you're freaking out and you think you're going to lose control of the vehicle because you're speeding, but you need to speed. And, you know, there's all kinds of (laughs) things on the road that are going to knock you off. When all of this is happening in your mind, he says, take courage. Now, what does it mean to take courage? In other words, you see the fear, you feel the fear, but you face it anyway. That's what that means. And so he says, take courage, take comfort, boldly have confidence in me is basically what he's saying. In other words, what he is saying is you will find victory over this mental pressure, this internal pressure, this attempt of mental illness on you, you will find victory in me. That's why he began and he said, in me, you will find peace. Because he is our solution and our victory over mental illness. Amen. And so in other words, (laughs) like I said, he's saying, when we face internal struggles, face them with courage and confidence, because he has defeated them already. Remember, he says, in this world, you'll face this, but be like this, because I've overcome it, I've overcome it already. So basically what he is saying is, is that whatever you face that comes to try and attack your mental health, he says, I have already defeated it. In other words, he conquered it, so you can be more than a conqueror. You don't have to conquer it, he's conquered it. So your place is to be more than a conqueror. And the one who's more than a conqueror enjoys the victory that the one who conquered got for them. Amen. And that's what he is saying about these things. So what we see there so far is is that victory over mental health is found in Jesus. Amen. Can I have an amen from someone or something? Now, think about what God did for Elijah when he saw that his mental well-being was at a breaking point. When Elijah was in that state and he prayed like he prayed, like many of us can probably relate to, when sometimes life just gets tough and our mind just barely can handle it and we feel like we're about to snap. God saw that about Elijah. And what did God do for Elijah? Well, <laughs> I'm going to show you. And for the lack of time, we, don't, you know, we can't read the whole portion, but I encourage that you go and read that afterwards. But you are going to see, I'm about to show you two things that God did for Elijah when he saw that his mental well-being was at a breaking point. Right after he prayed that prayer, he says, Lord, I'm ready to die. Kill me. Take me out. I'm done. I've had enough. Here's what God does for Elijah. Firstly, God took care of his immediate physical needs. In other words, eat and sleep. And sometimes that's just what we need to do. Sometimes we need to just not be responsible, but just let God take care of us and take care of our physical body and get strengthened up. Because when our physical well-being is good, it will affect our mental well-being. And that's exactly what God does. Look at this here in 1 Kings 19, the same chapter. It's all part of the same chapter. In, in verses 5 and 6, again from the Living Bible. Watch this now. 
Talking about Elijah. Then he lay down and slept beneath the broom brush. See, he needed to rest. Sometimes when we have, our mind feels like it's, it's injured or ill, we need to rest. So he took a rest. Watch this. But as he was sleeping, watch this, an angel touched him and told him get, to get up and eat. Isn't that amazing? Now watch this in verse 6. He looked up around, he looked around, I'm sorry, and saw some bread baking on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Now what you see from that is, is that God took care of Elijah physically. He met his immediate physical needs and got him to rest. I mean, can you imagine the miracle, just how supernaturally? I would have loved to be in a little webcam or camera or hidden camera just to be watching this. Watching Elijah just said what he said and he's, about, he's at a breaking point in terms of his mental well-being. And as he goes to sleep, these stones begin to heat up and bread appears on them and begins to bake. So it's freshly baked. God could have easily just brought a whole loaf ready, fresh, made. But yet he makes it fresh for him. You see, when you think about food, you know, we talk about comfort foods. We talk about, you know, you've heard me say many things. One of the many things about my mom is her cooking. Why? Because it brought comfort to me. It spoke my mom to me. Amen. And many of us have things like that. And so God knows what is going to strengthen and comfort Elijah. Now, I'm not saying go and eat yourself <laughs> and get all those pounds. But you understand, when we are mentally ill, when we are facing situations that are challenging our mental well-being, the first thing we're going to do is take care of our physical body. And it's by resting, making sure that it's fed and that we drink water like we should and that we take care of our physical body because that's what God did. He's giving us hints here for taking care of our mental health. Amen. What do most people do when they're at a breaking point? They try and find solutions. They try and go crazy. They drive themselves even more. I've done that too. Isn't that so? Because we want to find a solution. But yet God says, I'll take care of you. In other words, we are going to trust God to take care of us. Now, the second thing that God does for Elijah is he encourages him. He gives him a new purpose and he gets him some help and eventual relief. That's the second thing that God does for Elijah. Let me show this to you as we continue in the chapter verses, verse 7. And then we're going to jump to 15 and 16 for time. Okay, Watch here. Firstly, he encourages him. Watch this now. Then the angel of the Lord, watch this, came again. You see, he's checking on him. He's making sure he's okay. And watch this, and touched him. You know, oftentimes when we go through hard times, we just want someone to hold us, hug us, just hold our hand, just give us a little hug, give us a little pet, just to let us know, pet, that is, let, just to let us know that they're there, that they're connecting with us, that they love us. And that's exactly what the angel does. He could have just stood from afar with a glory and just spoken to Elijah. But yet he makes personal contact to let him know, hey, I've got you. Then he said, watch this, get up 
and eat some more. For there is a long journey ahead of you. In other words, it's okay, I've got you. I'm here for you, with you and I'm here for you. But also I want to prepare you for what is to come. You see, and that's the heart of God. He will prepare us for what is to come. You know that not so long ago, my mom passed away. And I barely, barely just missed seeing her. Within a month, I was in South Africa. That would have been the last time I would have seen her in person. Prior to that was in 2016. And you know, the night that she died, it was actually early in the morning, 2, 3 in the morning. When she died, and I got the news, I got to speak to her just before she breathed her last. But after I got the news that she's no longer with us, I was sitting in my living room, crying and sobbing. It was so hard. I literally felt the internal pressure. I felt like I was at a breaking point. I had guilt going through me because I didn't get there earlier, because I hadn't phoned her enough. I didn't tell her enough that I love you. And all these other things. And then at the same time, you know, I answered the call of God and I've missed all these years with her. I could have just stayed there and been there with her. She could have lived with us. Anyway, all kinds of things were running through my mind. My mental state was being attacked. That pressure, those constrictions were coming in. And they were coming in and they were being fired nonstop, endlessly. And I felt for a moment there, I thought, you know, maybe if I just tell God to take me too, then I don't have to deal with this. I mean, it's silly. It's foolish. I have a family. I have a daughter. I have a wife. And I have a little dog too. <laughs> that all are part of my family. But when I was going through all of that, I remember thinking, Lord, what do I do here? And you know, God in His... This is why I'm sharing all of that with you. As I was sitting, sobbing, and I began to speak in tongues because I thought, what else am I going to do but speak in tongues? As I was sitting there, I sensed a hand touch my arm like my mom used to touch me. She had her own unique way of touching me. All of us, my siblings. I sensed a hand touching me and I knew that it was not my mother because she was gone. I knew that it was God. And you know, when I felt that, immediately this bombardment in my mind stopped. I sensed peace. And the next thing I heard God say is, Son, there's nothing else you can do right now. Your sisters are grieving. You need to grieve. Just relax and just grieve until you fall asleep. And that's exactly what happened. I cried to sleep. But you know, when I woke up, I had a different perspective. The longing was there, the missing was there, but it was different because God was there. Amen. And so this is what he does for Elijah. He touches him. He makes personal contact with him. And he says, eat some more because there's more to come. Not bad things, but good things. 
So that's where he encouraged him. Remember, I'm speaking about the second thing that he did for him. He encouraged him. He gave him a new purpose. He got him help and he gave him relief. And so that's the encouragement part of it. And then watch now in the same chapter, 1 Kings 19, verse 15 and 16 from the Living Bible. Here comes the purpose, the new purpose, the help and the relief. Watch this. Then the Lord told him, Go back by the desert road to Damascus. And when you arrive, here it is, anoint Hazel to be king of Syria. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And watch this. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shepheth, of Abel Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Now it wasn't to say that God gave up on Elijah and that, you know, okay, that's it. You are about to have a mental breakdown, so I can't use you anymore. (laughs) God's not like that. He doesn't treat us like tools, like devices that when they break, you know, what else can we do if I get rid of it and throw it away? This is not what God was doing. It is, remember, we've read the whole thing in context. God was taking care of him. So he took care of him physically, got him to rest and just get his mind to calm down and get to a place where he could just be in a better mental state. And then God gives him a new purpose. And he says, okay, now I want you to go and do these things. And along the way, go and find your, the one who's going to take over from you. Why? Because you are coming home, Elijah. <laughs> you're not going to die. I'm not going to kill you. I see you. I see the state that you're in. So I'm going to personally bring you here and remember he was raptured taken into heaven alive and there's more to come from his ministry but it's not to say that you know that's the way we should look out god isn't going to do that with all of us but what i'm showing you here in all of this in relation to what i'm sharing with you today is is that god has a heart for you and i when we find ourselves in mental anguish when mental illness is trying to get on us and stay on us he is there he will move us he will cause people around us to get us to calm down to rest and just build ourselves up physically so that we can be built up emotionally and mentally and yes he will either remind us of our purpose he will give us a new purpose and he will give us the anointing and will encourage us to continue doing what he does and you know if necessary he will move us on and he will find someone to fill that gap because that's his heart. The last thing God wants for any of us is to experience a mental breakdown or mental illness because we love him, because we serve him, because we do his will, because we are his children. The first and foremost thing he will do is take care of us. And I trust that this account shows you just how God loves you and I and how interested he is in our mental well-being so much so that even jesus on before he was crucified the night of his betrayal he was in the garden of gethsemane probably feeling like elijah to the point remember we have a threshold he didn't and he began to sweat blood that you talk about mental illness mental attack and a bad mental state that's what he was going through for you and i and this is why he said i have defeated it already so you can be victorious so no matter what you face whatever mental issues whatever mental pressures try and come your way you can certainly enjoy victory in jesus amen and that's the heart and you can see here the heart of god in elijah's life 
And he does, that, he does this throughout Scripture. It's the same thing with Jonah. You know that Jonah was also having an issue mentally. And yet God set him free and took care of him. The same thing goes for you know, Saul. Unfortunately, by his choices, he did what he did. But when he was experiencing you know, demons attacking his mind, you know, there was David playing in with, on his harp that would bring relief to him. It is God's heart for us to experience good mental well-being. Amen. Praise God. You know, God loves us too much to leave us in a bad mental state. And that's a fact. I hope you've seen that with this account that I've shared with you briefly. We can always count on His comfort, His encouragement, and His intervention. God will always intervene. Let Him intervene. Let Him help you. Let Him get you out of that, just like He did with Elijah and so many that we see in Scripture. Why? Because when Jesus went through that, He did it so you and I can be more than conquerors. Amen. I trust that you are receiving this. Let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 to 11, as we come to a landing here. From the Passion Translation. This is so beautiful here. It's put so beautifully in this translation. Remember, it's the one that says, Cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Watch this. He says, Pour out all. Notice, all. Not some. All of it. Pour out. Pour out. I'm sorry. All your worries and stress upon him and leave them there for he always tenderly cares for you be well balanced and always alert because your enemy the devil roams around insistent instant incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour notice the context of that phrase it's to do with mental well-being Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. In other words, believe and trust and confidence in God. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure. Now watch this. And then, after your brief suffering, in other words, the minute God takes notice of it, the God of all loving grace who has called you to share in His eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, He will set you firmly in place and build you up. And He has all the power needed to do this forever. Amen. Isn't that just powerful? How in the midst of all this here, God says to us, I've got you. You have victory. Trust me. Whenever you face that. But notice it all begins with casting all our cares on Him and leaving them there. Or as the Passion puts it, cast all your worries and stresses upon Him and leave them there. Because you know that He cares for you. You've seen it with Elijah. You've seen it with my own life. And that wasn't the first time God did that for me, by the way. You know, when that night when my mom died. I, there's other situations that I can share with you. But what do we see here in this portion? Notice, he says, Cast not some, but all of your cares on God. As it says there, all your worries and stresses. Why? 
Because God never stops caring for you. Amen. But also we see there that if we don't cast our cares on God, where does that leave us? If you don't cast your stresses and worries on God, then really you are left to feel sorry for yourself, like Elijah did, like he started. In other words, self-pity. And you know, self-pity, entertained long enough, leads to bitterness. Now we start getting bitter with God, because in our mind, in our self-pity state, in our almost mental breakdown, mental illness state, we begin to blame God for not being there for us. For letting things like that happen. So self-pity kicks in, which leads to bitterness, mostly bitterness towards God and those around us who may have had something to do with the situation. And that eventually, that bitterness eventually leads to unbelief. So yeah, we'll play Christian, we'll speak Christianese, but in our hearts we don't really believe that God can do it. Because we've never really cast our cares on Him, our stresses and worries on Him. We've hung on to them. We may have did it Christianese wise, but we didn't really mean it and we didn't let it go in our hearts. And so that's what happens. We become bitter and unbelieving. And who wants to be like that? And when God saw Elijah going that route, he stopped it right there and intervened. And God will do the same for you. I mean, I recall that morning when I was sobbing and crying, not being there, not being able to be there, not having seen my mom and just missing seeing her. I remember just for a moment with all those attacks, I began to feel sorry for myself. And then, I, you know, these thoughts started coming in my mind. You know, well, you know, if, if you were really called, if God was really behind this, surely he would have provided. Surely he would have done this. And the whole goal of that attack was to lead me to unbelief. And, you know, I wouldn't let that happen. Praise God, he touched me and he told me to sob myself until I can no more. And... It put me to sleep. Amen. That's the heart of God. So we need to cast it. Because if we don't cast our cares on Him, then mental illness, yeah. Then mental unwellness will kick in. And we don't want that. That's why He says, cast them all on Him. You see, it's a step of faith. It's a step of trust and confidence that we take. I mean, I remember that when, when he said that to me, I said, Lord, I cast all my pain. I cast all the worries, all those things that I should have and could have and didn't and this and that. I cast them all on you. Now, you know, from an outside point of view, someone would have thought, that's so irresponsible. You're in denial. You're living in la-la land. Well, you know what? Whatever. At the end of the day, God is going to take care of us. And he did. Praise God. Amen. And so before you know it, if you let yourself go down that road, you are going to begin to go down a downward spiral of negativity. In other words, everything has a negative connotation. You become negative. People that are generally negative about things are people that have experienced this process here. You know, you begin to go down the spiral of negativity. There's just nothing positive about anything. And you know you can, how you can tell if you're already going down that spiral? This is you also feel like you have a unique case of injustice. Somehow, life didn't do you right, people didn't do you right, and more importantly, God didn't do right by you. That's the other option of not giving our cares to God. And if you've ever found yourself there, if you've ever felt that way, you need to realize we need to stop and cast our cares before we get there. 
That's why Jesus said, do it before you get there. When it's there, when you face it, hand it over to Him. God, leave it all with Him because you have victory in Him. Amen. So letting yourself go down this path will not only affect your future, because now your future is going to be different with your different mental state, but also, sadly, the future of those around you, because they will be influenced and impacted by you. And why would we want to do that to them? Now, the other thing that we see in that portion we've just read is that Satan tries to stir cares. In other words, worries and stresses in your life. Why is that? So he can devour you. And how does he devour you? By getting you into a bad state of mind. Can you see that even that whole attack has to do with your mental health? If you look at it in context, that's what that portion is about. He goes around seeking, you know, like, 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 uh, like a lion. Because what he's trying to do and how he devours you in context is by getting you into a bad... In other words, you didn't cast your cares. So he looks for that and he says, okay, who's not casting their cares? They haven't. I can devour them. And then when he devours them, he gets them into a bad state of mind. That is how he devours them. We're not going to let Satan do that. That's the context of that portion. So the only way Satan can devour and defeat us is by getting us not to cast our cares on God. Let me put it another way. The only way Satan can get you into a bad state of mind is by preventing you from casting your cares on God. Or how about this way? The only way Satan can get you mentally ill is by preventing you from casting your worries and anxieties on God. Because now you need to deal with them. And sometimes we just cannot. This is why he said, cast them all on me. Amen. So I want to leave you with this word today. Never underestimate God's love for you. Never underestimate his power and his ability to keep you in a good state of mind. Because more than anyone on this planet, including yourself, he takes real interest in your personal mental health. And he wants you mentally well throughout your days. Amen. Let me read this portion as we end with regards to things we face. And watch the might and the power of our God. Psalm 97 verse 5 from the Passion Translation. And I promise you we'll end with this one. It says mountains. Imagine those are the things you face. Mountains melt away like wax in a fire when the Lord of all the earth draws near. See, that's exactly what happens to the cares and the worries and the things that come our way. When God shows up, and you know He's with us, but when He personally shows up in that situation, anything and everything, no matter how huge those mountains may seem, they're just going to melt away in His presence. And that's what God will do for you and I. So I want to encourage you today. You can and you are victorious of a mental health in Jesus. Whenever you are faced with tribulations, situations, be of good cheer, be confident, take courage, trust Him. He's there for you. He'll take care of you. I know that like me, you have probably testimonies. Remind yourselves of those times. Remind yourself of those times. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I just sense that I need to pray over you. Pray over some folks. And you may even, there may even be people that you know 
that may not, you know, they may not have heard this today, and you can always point them to it after the fact. But I sense that we need to pray over you and over people you know and people you love who may have, may be experiencing, you know, these tribulations, these mental attacks right now. So let's do that. I'm going to pray for you, and if you have someone else in mind, just receive this prayer on their part and release that anointing to them. Amen. There's an anointing. I can sense it right now. And I know that God is going to do what He did for Elijah and more for you today. Father, as we've heard your word today, and in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people. I pray for those who are with us here today, who are watching, listening. Father, and the ones that they have in mind, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the devil and his cohorts over their lives in the name of Jesus. I rebuke them over their mind. And Father, I speak wholeness to them. Mental well-being, mental wholeness. In the name of Jesus. Father, as we cast our cares, our stresses and worries on you right now, we're going to leave them with you. And we thank you for taking care of us for the victory, Father. In the name of Jesus. Now say this after me to God. Say, Father, I cast all my cares, all of them, every stress and worry, I cast it on you now. In the name of Jesus. Oh my goodness. The anointing is so strong. My knees just want to give in. I can sense it. And I know that you're sensing it right now. In the name of Jesus. I sense a refreshing coming upon you now. Just like it did on Elijah and more. I sense things begin to change. Your paradigm. In the name of Jesus, Father. Thank you for healing now. Healing Minds that have been injured. Minds that have been hurt. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. And you know, if there's some folks you need to forgive, just do it right now. Just say, Father, I forgive them. I let them go in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.